Now, I think this verse is speaking very directly about good and evil. Oh, yeah. Right? No doubt. And so there's probably a conversation to have there. Yeah, I, yeah, I was just, uh, a friend of mine showed me this link the other day, and and it was like, uh, you know, I mean, we've all done it, the little clickbaity, you know, whatever stupid articles that, you know, it's, uh, I think it was called 10 Things That Are No Longer, That Are So Expensive, <laughs> They're right. No Longer Worth Paying For. Right. It was probably cashier than that, but that's the general gist, right? Sure, yeah. Number one, children. <laughs> I mean, I, and I get it's clickbait or like, I don't know, whatever, right? But, but I, I was blown away that like, second commandment, family proclamation, second commandment still in force. Right. Like we're talking about something that like, helps us become like Christ, like, um, like just, you know, you know, anyway, anyway, children. And wow, talk about taking something that is good and putting it for evil. Right. And I, anyway, I did, it was just such a clear That's example funny. of something from our day. That's funny. When we were talking, we tried to, we tried to, find, we tried to go back and find it because it was just, it was such a catchy thing. What, what I actually came up with, while we were looking, I came up with another one. Ready? What's this one? 19 things that are cheaper than raising a child in 2014. <laughs> okay, let me give you a couple because this is just great. Okay, yeah. First one on the list, a plane ticket, wait for it, to outer space. <laughs> Wow, that is... Than raising a child. That is... And also better than raising a child. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Wow, <laughs> so much more fun. A Chipotle burrito every well, day for... Oh, my gosh. For 97 <laughs> years. For what? For 97 day, years? For 97 years. 11... I love this one. 11 pregnant female alpacas who will oh, then give birth gosh. to the cutest babies in the animal kingdom. And unlike human babies, alpacas don't need to go to school. They only eat grass. And they literally grow money in the form of wool. <laughs> Okay, real quick. Sorry. Let's have alpacas instead of children. Sorry, because this is coming from 15 verse 20, right? Call right. evil good and good evil. Right. Like, that <laughs> statement just reeks of selfishness, right. doesn't it? Right? Like, yeah. like, oh, first of all, like, first of all, okay, listen. Now, I don't know the writer, so right. maybe the writer's babies would be less cute than an alpaca. <laughs> but which, your kids, for sure. But my kids are not, my kids are definitely cuter than an alpaca. Yeah, right? All right, that is... Yeah, it, it, well, it's just so interesting because what you're saying is right, that this is so self-focused, right? It's so about me. Listen to this one. Ten years of retirement overseas for raising a child. You could live overseas in retirement for ten years. If you had four kids, that's, that's 40 years in retirement overseas. So it would be better, according to this article. And kind this of the is premise probably tongue-in-cheek, right? But, yeah, 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 yeah. Like this, but, yeah. But, the, but the concept is a single bottle of diamond-infused nail polish. Look what you could have. Look at what you could. <laughs> right? Think of all the things you could have if you didn't have a kid, right? I mean, jokes aside, like, because oh. like you said, I don't want to attack this article. Or, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that, you know, whatever. They're, it's, I, don't, well, I don't know their intentions. Well, but, let, let me, can I read it? Because yeah. they, they say it at the end here. He says, okay, so some of the things might sound more enticing than others, but you get the idea. If you are a middle-income couple in the United States, you could save a tremendous amount of money by remaining childless. I mean, good, evil, and evil, good? Well, and the, the, I, I do think that culturally there is, there are people that do have, like, they do believe that. They're like, why would I, like, money to them is more important than children. Yeah. And um, I, I have such a strong testimony that, that we are not on earth from, like, money is not why we're here. Yeah. In fact, we don't get to take any of it with us. Yeah. What we do get to take with us, though, is our families. Yeah. And 
my wife and I have talked about this because we actually struggled to have kids for, for quite a few years. And, um, and so we've thought about this and talked about it a lot. And, and I, I mean, if, if money is like your, if having the most money possible is your goal in life mm-hmm. and like maximizing like the amount you earn, like that's, that's a different thing. But if you, if your goal is to have like the most amount of joy possible, yeah. that only comes from selflessness and consecrating ourselves to God. Yeah. And certainly children would have a return on investment far greater yeah. than anything you could invest your money in. Yeah, and I, I, this is the very end of this article says this. It should be perfectly acceptable to refuse to have children simply because you can't afford to. To, to, to in order to have these yeah. types of things. I, 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 think did, about, I respectfully disagree. Yeah, me too. I, I think, you know, we live in a world that says you ought to have your schooling done before you have children. Mm-hmm. You ought to have financial security before you before you get married, before you uh, buy a house. You, you you need to buy a house before you get married. If you go back to to prophetic invitations, that is not what they're telling you to do. Why? I think my experience was, and this is to all you young adults out there who are thinking, do I need to have yeah. more security? I really valued my wife's input as I was going through those life experiences, right? Yeah. And I became less self-focused. Can you imagine buying... Okay, you're a realtor as well, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Can you imagine buying your house if you were the only one giving input? Would you buy a house that would meet the needs of your future wife as well? Probably not, right? Yeah. I, I think about my career choices, the, the choices that I've made in my career to become what I am. My wife helped me in the process to figure those things out and get through schooling and have those... I became less self-focused because I had a spouse doing it with me. I had to do things uh, with her yeah. and have her be okay with the choices I was making, right? And so, so sure, I, I mean, it would have been really nice to have a house when we got married and not have to do three years right. of apartment dwelling and, you know, all those things. But, but to what did I, what did I gain because I didn't wait, because right. I didn't put it off? I gained a whole lot of experience that, to be honest, probably makes marriage hard at first when you've had a lot of years of doing it on your own. Right. Because you, you're so used to making all the choices that then now you got an equal partner and you don't, you've got 10 years of doing it on your own. Why do you need right. somebody else telling you how to do it, right? And, and just to be clear to listeners too, I mean, we're, Brother Swenson and I are not, like, we're not judging people. No. Right? Not and we're not, we're not saying that, you know, if you're not married by a certain age, sure, then, yeah. you know, whatever, right? But there's a difference between, like, in your heart, like, am I preparing for a temple marriage and am I seeking it or am I, am I not preparing for it and... So that something else can happen. So that, yeah, and I'm putting other things as, like, higher priorities, right? Because, because, for example, my wife and I, like, we, a lot of people could have judged us um, because, again, we weren't, we were, like, 30 before we had our first kid, right? um, I think the difference, though, is like we, like we were preparing to have children, yeah. and we were seeking and trying to have children, yeah. and and so whatever the Lord's timing is, mm-hmm. like that, that's that. And of course, His timing is perfect, and as we submit to His timing, we will be blessed. Yeah. Um, and so that's not that's not what the discussion's about, but uh, but I do know what what Matt what you were just saying is true that. And what that article is saying is not true. Like family, like Heavenly Father, family, getting married, having children, serving missions. These are 
ultimately what we're talking about, we're talking about acts of faith. Yeah, and, and growth. And, yeah, grow. faith, yeah, acts of faith that lead to growth. Yeah. And, and so similar, just like, you know, not every missionary, um, not every young man or young woman like serve a mission for because of life circumstances. Sure. So we wouldn't call them faithless for yeah. Right. Yeah. not serving. But but those that do serve, like it's an act of faith that reaps eternal blessings. Yeah, really, really great things that I think you can learn. I mean, President Nelson didn't serve a mission, and he, you know, he's <laughs> obtained figured enough, it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I think obviously the Lord allows you to to gain those skills in different ways. Yeah. Um, but what a fast way to learn them, right? Serve right. Mission. That's and, just a fast way. And again, is is your heart consecrated to God? Yeah. Like that's like ultimately what it's about. Yeah, I think we could spend forever on this, this yeah. verse itself. Uh, yeah. The, the woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And, and we you want more, before, come to institute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we talked before about some very, and I think all of you out there could could come up with some very specific yeah. media things that we're hearing are are good, but now that uh, we're studying, we, they're not good. They're, yeah. they're pretty evil things. Okay, so let's keep going. Let's jump into... Chapter 16. Uh, yeah, chapter 16. Can I start on this one, yeah, Matt? Yeah, please do. I, okay, so I just, I love trying to get into Isaiah's, like I, I found as I've tried to get into the world of like the, the prophet or the author, um, the lessons apply to my world more. Okay. So Isaiah, this is when he's going to be called to the ministry basically, sure. right? Yeah. And, uh, and King Uzziah, who was a good king, he did some kind of wonky stuff at the end. So, you know, anyway, kind of, anyway, that wasn't good, but. But led Israel to prosperity, or, well, sorry, Judah to prosperity. You guys have to remember, Israel at this time is the northern kingdom and Judah is the southern kingdom. Sure. And they're at war against each other, so I have to be careful about that. But so he led Judah to prosperity for, for a number, for basically his entire reign as king. And, and so in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died. So if I'm Isaiah, I'm probably feeling a little... Uh, uh, maybe a little depressed, a little anxious. A little verklempt. <laughs> wow. You like that I, word. <laughs> I'm blown away. Okay, that was, thank you. wow, well done. Yeah, okay. I'll be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, props to you. Um, gosh, I can't even concentrate anymore. I'm just so <laughs> amazed by that, by that word. But, uh, you know, the, the northern kingdom, uh, Israel, and then Syria mm -hmm. are both at war and they're, you know, there's political tension against the southern kingdom or Judah where Isaiah is living with yeah. and where Uzziah reigned. And, and the Assyrians are knocking on the door. I mean, there's just so much uh, wars and rumors of war, yeah. right? There's just so much um, anxiety about North Korea right. and the yeah, war in Ukraine right. and the war in Israel. Like, mm -hmm. there's just, you know what I mean? There's just a lot, and there's a lot to be anxious about, yeah. like, to be fair. Sure. And so he has, so he, this is the context. And then what's the next line? In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, mm. high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Mm. And I just love how in this state of mind, like, he has this vision, and what's he see? Yes, his his mortal king is no longer sitting on the throne. Yeah. But more importantly, there's a heavenly king yeah. who's still on the throne. Who, who is massively more uh, powerful. Verse 3, after we, get, we define mm -hmm. some seraphims that are standing there, maybe yeah. we'll talk about that. But one of the seraphims cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Right. Not just Uzziah's yeah, area. Yeah, little, and, yeah, you know, Jerusalem. Yeah. And, you know, and, and in verse one, that train, so 
that train is talking like the kings, they wear these long robes, mm -hmm. right? It's almost like the longer the robe, like the more important yeah, you are, right? right? Like how, the temple. Such yeah. a classic, like petty, yeah. you know, like mortal thing. Like, <laughs> right, oh, yeah. look at my robe. <laughs> like, look how important <laughs> look how I am. Look how right? long my robe is. Yeah. But um, the Lord's train, it filled, it wasn't just 20 feet. It wasn't 30. It filled the temple, mm -hmm. filled it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, right, what Isaiah is trying to communicate through symbolism is, is what you just said. There is no one who outglorifies God. Yeah. There is no one who we can trust in more than God. And so I just think that I, uh, just like Joseph Smith kind of had this, was in this dark space when he had his vision, yeah. right? Isaiah is, is potentially in this kind of dark space when he looks up and there's Jesus Christ, yeah. the Lord of Lords, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Filling the temple. Filling the temple. I love it. Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> yeah. And so you, he's getting called to the ministry. And you mentioned verse two. I really love this about this. So a, a seraph is an angel. Seraphim are multiple angels. Mm -hmm. And so um, and above it stood the seraphim, the multiple angels, and each one had six wings. Now remember, so twain is old English for the number two, okay. right? So I'll just say two for the listeners, right? Yep. With two wings, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. Mm. And with two, did he, he did fly. And I love this message where you know, so we cover our face because, uh, you know, like, no, no one can look upon God and live, right? Yeah. We're just so beneath his glory, right? Covered his feet, you know, even today, like, feet are gross, and especially back then, right? Like, Jesus is washing right. their feet as a symbol of ultimate humility. Sure. And, and here we have him, the angels covering their feet. And, and it's not until they cover their face and their feet that they're able to fly. And wings... In Old Old Testament, represent the power to act and to move. Right. And so when it says, "And with two he did fly," it, it kind of it's the symbol of, you know, he has this power to act and move and and fly and joyfully carry out the commandments of God. And sure. so Isaiah, just like these angels, like he won't be able to serve the Lord in his fullest capacity until he's um, uh, humbled himself and cleansed the inner vessel, as as our friend Moroni would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love the idea that Elder McConkie uh, says, uh, he says, the fact that these holy beings were shown to Isaiah uh, as having wings was simply to symbolize their power to move, to act, etc., as was the case also in visions others had had, that these angels yeah. had the capacity to go and to do. And, right. Right, that, that, they, that the, the wings representing their capacity to speak or to move or to, but in the presence of God, they just wait until they're given counsel and instruction. And that's really Isaiah at this time, right? Yeah. Obviously, I mean, before chapter 16, he's been given a whole lot of information, yeah. right? He's seen some stuff. But then, can I just keep going now? Verse five, Isaiah is seeing this grand vision and he says, then said I, woe is me for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord, the King, the Lord of Hosts. So we just got done studying chapter fifteen, verse twenty, about those that call evil good and good evil, and and live in the world where that's all true, and and that was true in Isaiah's day too, yeah. maybe different, but but true. And Isaiah is feeling probably like you and I feel often, where. I fall to the stuff in the world. I find myself scrolling up and swiping around and, and, and wasting my time and, and getting bound down by the things that the world's telling me are more important and good. And they're really evil and they're not good. And, yeah. You know, not that I'm doing a lot of evil stuff, right? But 
But just, I feel like it's pretty easy to understand Isaiah saying, I live in this really crummy yeah. place. I can relate with him. Yeah, and I, and I get taken down by it all the time. I love, I just love how you said I because I, I just think that's one of the most relatable things. Like the, the, uh, the zombie scrolling, I think is what it's yeah. called, where yeah. you Lord. just get caught in this trap of just like swiping yep. and swiping yep. and then minutes and then hours. I had yep. a student one time who at the, uh, it was Monday and I was like, hey, how's your, you know, how's your weekend? Oh, I'm so tired. I go, oh, well, didn't you, it was the weekend, didn't you sleep? She's like, I forgot. I forgot to sleep. I, for, <laughs> I mean, what? How does that happen? <laughs> well, let me tell you how it, it happened to her. That's the crazy thing. So Friday night or Saturday night, I don't even know which one, right? I think it was Friday night because uh, they had like a, or like they were like going skiing on Saturday. So they were going to get up at like six or seven or sure. something, right? So Friday night she goes to bed like 11, you know, Gets on TikTok, literally keeps scrolling, loses track of time, and just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls until knock, knock on the door at 6 a.m. and time to She forgot to go to sleep. Wow. And so, anyway, that, that zombie, I mean, talk about a zombie, it, it, it right? Really zombie scrolling. Like, yeah. I, like I, I'll catch myself doing that, and literally I'll watch, I watch decent stuff, right? Like, it, it's always Nate Bargetsy or some funny, you know, yeah, yeah, comedian yeah. or whatever. And, and I will, I will, I will scroll one, one too many times. Yep. And and I know I need to be done. Yep. And my mind will go, okay, just finish this one, and then you'll move on. Yeah. And I've made the commitment in my head, but my finger didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so yeah. I'm ready to get up, move, but then yeah. my finger scrolls up, and there I am again. Stuck, yep. Right. Exactly. So interesting. And and so uh, so the next verse is one of my favorites, actually, in all of scriptures. So the then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal, right? So this would have been taken from the altar, mm. right? Which of course represents like, like the altar sacrifice where Jesus, like representing the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. A live coal, it's hot, right? The Holy Ghost sanctifies us uh, like mm. a baptism by mm -hmm. fire, mm -hmm. baptism by water and the Holy Ghost baptism by fire. So a hot coal, kind of like baptism by fire, the sanctification, sanctification of the Holy Ghost, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Verse seven. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I testify that Jesus Christ has the power to take away our iniquity. And it reminds me of 2 Nephi 4, uh, from Come Follow Me a couple weeks ago, verse 21 he hath filled me with his love, even unto the consuming of my flesh. Mm -hmm. And and so when I just when I read that, I just I like to think of it as like, and I, you got like a wild analogy here in a second. That I, <laughs> but I like to think like when I eat, like there's like some candies that will just like dissolve in your mouth, or like when yeah. I eat like a really good piece of chocolate cake, or like last night I was having an Oreo milkshake, and like I would drink it and just like. Let it just like sit in my mouth and just let all the flavor just like fill mm -hmm. my mouth. It's kind of a weird example, but but I think that's that's kind of like what I think of when I think of this cold touching his mouth is like, like it didn't like burn his tongue obviously like how, like rude like, you know, like that's not. Although I think there is a little bit of a sting to the repentance process that mm -hmm. that helps us to become sanctified. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but ultimately, it, it, what it ends with, even if there's a sting at first, maybe there's a burning at first. True. What it ends with is just this consuming, full feeling of love from God that 
uh, and that and, and in that moment we know that our sin our iniquity really has been taken from us yeah I, I love that and, and when you shared that before we hit record my mind went straight to those warhead candies yeah you know, know. that are like super they're like sour. my least favorite thing ever you know, yeah and that's, and that's like I couldn't go with that analogy I was all encompassing when you put that sucker in your mouth right and then it and then it stops being so pungent potent maybe mm-hmm. But then you get to the middle of it, and it just all starts over, right? Yeah. I think that feeling of like, oh, wow, this is a thing that's happening to me is the feeling that I think Isaiah would have had, this like fully encompassing like cleansing of his, of his soul. It reminds me of Enos, where Enos uh, goes to the, to, you know, finally goes yeah. to the Lord mm-hmm. and his sins are forgiven. Um, and he says to the Lord, how is this done? And uh, he, the Lord responds, because of thy faith, in Christ, whom thou hast never before heard nor seen. Many years pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh. Wherefore, go to thy faith that made thee whole. This is the same experience Isaiah is having that I think you and I probably have had or have had multiple times in our yes. lives. But I think the other thing that's really interesting is at the end of these verses here, he has this, um, this experience where the, the seraphim puts this coal on his mouth um, and, and burns away the impurities, right? Um, thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged, the end of verse 7. But then listen to verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now, Christ also, in Abraham chapter 3, right? We, we, 27, 28, we learn yeah. about um, Christ saying, Here am I, send me. This, right. is, this is the ultimate, Here am I, send me. Yeah. But following Christ saying that in the preexistence, there would have been, okay, during... Israel's time, this period of time, right before the captivity of Israel, somebody needs to go down and warn them. Who's going to do that? And Isaiah would have been the one that said, here am I, send me. That's what he says in verse 9. Verse 9, and he said, being Isaiah, lower H-E, he, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but they understood not. Isaiah says, I'm going to go do this. And the Lord says, they're not going to understand you. Right? They're, they're going to have this, you're going to go be this guy, but they're not going to understand what you say. They go and tell the people, hear ye indeed, but they understood not, and see ye indeed, but they perceive not. Can you imagine being called on a mission? And your mission call literally says, you're going to go to the house of Israel and teach thousands, and your words are going to be written down, and everybody from, that, from your point on will read your words, they won't understand it. You're Isaiah. <laughs> right? He, yeah. they will, they will write, you will write in a way that will... They, but look at the next verse. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy and shut their eyes. Not by, not by scaring them, but just by teaching them so clearly and so fully that they can't understand it because of who they are. This invitation to go and to teach, can you imagine being told, now you're going to go serve and no one's going to listen to you? You're not going to be a successful missionary, but go and still going. I, I don't know if, if my mission called to Las Vegas had come and it said, we hereby call you to serve in Las Vegas West Mission, but you're not going to baptize anybody. I'd have been like, why am I going? What, what would be my point? Right? Right. And yet Isaiah stands up and says, here am I, send me. Yeah. Just like Christ did. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just, I love the faith and, and um, I also, I love the clarity of the Lord. Like, like, listen, this isn't going to be easy. And I think in some ways that is the story of all of our lives. Our lives aren't always easy. Yeah. I guess that maybe there's certain phases of it that yeah. can be easy, right? But, but certainly the things that are most worth 
achieving or doing in life require effort. Yeah. And and a lot of people, I mean, there's like a, there's an ease in like the simplicity, right? It's like that, the old proverb, like, like um, religion, like, like you can choose to have religion weigh you down or it can be the wings that like helps you to fly, True, right? right? So, so I guess our minds, like religion can make life easier and does make life easier, but it also can make it harder, right? I think Elder Bednar spoke at my stake one time and he said, um, religion, like the, um, the church uh, comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Yeah. Right? And just right. This, this idea that... That's an interesting statement. That, um, yeah, it was, it's not going to be a hard, it's not going to be an easy mission, Isaiah. But, sure. but, you know, to his credit, he goes and Hezekiah becomes king. Yeah. And Hezekiah listens to Isaiah. Yeah. And Isaiah is able to, to teach and to testify and, and help people come close to the Savior, including the king of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and, and be instrumental in protecting against the Assyrians. Sure, sure. And so, so to his credit, you know, the Lord, hey, it's going to be hard, but Isaiah, he goes forward with faith yeah. and he makes it happen. And, and I, th- I also wonder if, if the Lord did with us what he does with Isaiah more often, where he tells us how hard it's going to be, whether we'd actually go do it. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking for a young person, or, or even you and your wife, Right? You get married at, how old were you when you got married? 23. 23. Married at 23, and if the Lord had come to you and said, you're not going to have kids till you're 30, what would have changed over those seven years? What would you have not done? Um, well, I, I'll tell you, what would have changed? Well, I would have changed less. Yeah. I would have become less like my Savior mm-hmm. because there were, there were a lot of uh, uh, critical um nights where I was pouring I pour, I pour, I pour out my soul to God, yeah. pleading and, and seeking and discerning His will. The, the lesson I learned the most from that experience is that uh, joy comes as we consecrate our life to God. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, that's it. And all these other things we do, like getting married, serving missions, having kids, those are, those are like kind of really... Those are very effective ways that a God means uses. I means, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like have a kid. Like you're in the you're you're you know it's the service selfless. when you're in the service of your fellow man, you're only in the service of your God. Like, right. yeah, you are a serving man, sure. real. You know what I mean? Sure. So, so that was one of the beautiful lessons that I learned and and was able to. So so basically, the question it, it turned from Heavenly Father give us kids to Heavenly Father help us to consecrate our lives as if we had kids. Right. And that made all the difference yeah. in my life. Yeah, yeah. I think whether it's that issue or it's that they're not married, a young person's not married when they want to be, mm-hmm. or you're Nephi and you're told, hey, you're going to go into Jerusalem twice and it's not going to work to get the plates. Yeah. So go. Like, wh- <laughs> why? Mm-hmm. What, what's the point, right? That, that we could say, this isn't working for me. I'm going to quit this. Uh, too early is, I think, a real thing. And Isaiah is warned, this isn't going to be easy. You're going to go down and do this thing. Mm-hmm. And yet Isaiah stood up and said, here am I, send me. I will, I will go do this hard thing. You and I, all of us said, here am I, send me yeah. at a certain point, right? When, when it was our turn to come, we had to have said, I want to go. The, the Lord wouldn't have forced us to come down here. Nope. I think there are, I, I don't know this, but it, it seems to, to stand to reason that there might be spirits in the, in the spirit world who have yet to cho- choose to come, who are like, I, I know I need to do that, but ah, it's going to be, right? yeah. I, I don't know that, but, yeah. but I, it wouldn't surprise me that, that the Lord's like, okay, well, you, it's your choice. You, you, you've got agency. Let's do this when you're ready, Yeah, right? That they come when they're ready. And, and I think we chose to come knowing what we were going to step into to some degree 
you know, without a physical body, I don't know that any of us really understood what a temptation would be like. Sure. Right? Um, a, a physical temptation, at least. Yeah, well so, said. But, um, but that Isaiah said, here am I, send me, and, and you and I did the same, and the ultimate here am I, send me is the reason I said, okay, I'll go. Yeah. Right? If, if I knew Christ was going and I had that much faith and confidence in his ability to save me, why not go? Why, why would I not stand up and say, here am I, send me, I'll go. I'll go teach at the institute during these period, this period of my life. I'll go have this, these kids. I'll go, I'll go do those things. As long as you send Christ down to help me, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But if it was on me, man, that would be a different story. Okay, so that gets us into the first part of 16, pretty much through 16. Um, now we're kind of into his, his work, right? This thing yeah. he's going to go do. Now we've got an Ahaz is king now. Yep. He's a wicked king. Yep. And we've got... So again, I mean, sometimes you wish you had a video on these podcasts. Right. You, just, you yeah. could just like show a little visual, right? So, yeah. so we have Jerusalem, and that's in the land of Judah, right? Right. So then, north of that is the land of Israel, yep. And the capital of that is Samaria, okay. And then north of that is Syria, and the capital of that is Damascus, Got right? It. And yeah. so, and then the Assyrians are kind of conquering everywhere around them from the north down. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so basically, Syria. And Israel, or Ephraim is actually what the scriptures usually call yeah. it. Israel and Ephraim, they are they want to combine they combine forces to make an alliance to help protect against Assyria. And yeah. Judah doesn't want to. Yeah. And so, so they decide they're going to attack Judah, kind of because they're angry at him. Right. Right. And Ahaz is like, okay, whatever. Right. And they defend successfully against Syria sure. and Ephraim. Ahaz being Uzziah's son. The, the, yeah, the, that's right. Yep, the, that's correct. The, the former king's son, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so anyway. So, uh, so can I read, can I just clarify a little bit verse yeah. two because that's what you're saying. Yeah. It was told the house of David, um, which is Judah, which is Judah. Yep. Saying Syria is confederate with Ephraim. Ephraim meaning Israel, Israel. capital of Samaria, right. northern so, kingdoms. So that's yeah. what that's meaning. Right? Yeah. So again, it's just to go study those things and you'll understand what he's saying. Right. Um, and, and his, his heart, heart was, was moved. moved. Yeah. He's yeah. scared. Yeah, and the heart of his people, <coughs> yep. and the trees of the wood are moved with the, with the wind. They're, they're all afraid this is a, a scary time, right? Mm -hmm. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and Shashub, thy son, mm -hmm. at the end of the conduit of the upper pool and the highway of the fuller's field. Now, I could pause here and just say, go study that and figure out exactly where they were going. Yeah. Because you can know that. What is an upper pool? What is a fuller's field? Yeah. I mean, that, it's Pretty simple. You What's the meaning study. of Isaiah's son's name? Right. Yeah. I'll d d take the time. Go study it. Understand mm -hmm. it for yourself. But then maybe I'll just keep going. You stop me when you're when you yeah, take yeah, over. Yeah. <clears throat> Say unto him, take heed and be quiet. Fear not. Neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Remaliah, um, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, let us go hey, up I, unto Judah. Yeah. Let me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go. So... Um, just for clarity, so Rezin is the leader of Syria, yep. the king of Syria, yep. and then Pekah <clears throat> is the king of Israel, or or Ephraim, and he was the son of Remaliah. Yep. So, so Rezin and the son of Remaliah, in other words, Syria and the northern kingdoms of Israel yeah. are gonna, yeah, good, okay. good, good. And they're saying to each other, "Let us go up against Judah yep. and vex it, yep, and let us make a breach therein for us of the walls of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Like, let's, yeah, let's get conquer get Jerusalem." Set a king in the midst of it, yea, the son of Tabiel. That, that's the guy that's going to be the king. Yeah, the puppet, the puppet king of Jerusalem yeah. that they'd put in charge, yep. Um, thus saith the Lord. Now, the Lord comes back in. Ah. 
And, and this says, is so powerful. It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. It's not going to happen. Ahaz, don't worry about it. Yep. Right? Uh, for the head of Assyria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within three score and five years. Sixty-five years. Sixty-five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. Remember, again, Ephraim is the northern kingdoms, right? This is, yeah, uh, yeah Israel. It's going to get destroyed, right? Yep. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son, Pekah, right? Mm -hmm. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. So, if you don't believe me, uh, Ahaz, this isn't going to work out for you. Right. I'm telling you, this is not going to work. The northern kingdoms, Assyria... You don't have to fear them. It's not going to happen. You're good to go. Yeah. So... So again, just to recap, so base, Isaiah's come and said, hey, Ahaz, you don't have to worry, okay? The yeah. Lord is going to protect us. Yeah. And then he says, ask the Assyrian. So the prophet comes to you. Imagine you're Ahaz, right? right the prophet right. comes to you, says, ask the Assyrian of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depths or in the heights above. Imagine being Ahaz and saying in verse 12, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. <laughs> To which Isaiah the prophet, you know, being discerning and right, quick to yeah. observe, says, Hear ye now, O house of David, right? Because Ahaz is of Davidic line, sure. so house of, he's referring to, yeah. O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? <laughs> right? In other words, like, yeah, you know, you can lie all you want to men, mm -hmm. but are you going to lie to God also? Basically, Ahaz... He doesn't want to ask for a sign, not because he's so humble, yeah. but because he, Ahaz wanted to make an alliance with Assyria, <clears throat> with the governor of Assyria. Assyria. Goal, yeah. and, and he was going to do that for protection and become a vassal state. So a vassal state is basically, you know, you agree to pay a super high tax to the state you're vassal to, mm -hmm. and, and in return they don't conquer you and, and provide protection, right? right? So, yeah. so he, may, he wants to make this alliance, and he knows that God's going to tell him not to make the alliance. Hmm. And so he's like, no, no, I don't need a sign. Not because he's humble, but because he, he <laughs> I knows. I don't actually want that sign. <laughs> it's kind of like Jonah. Like, no. I just trying to run away from the Lord's will for you. Right. And so, um, so then Isaiah continues on. He says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hmm. And, of course, this is another example of that dualism, right? Because Isaiah's son, well, first of all, the word virgin in Hebrew just means, like, young woman. And because of their culture at the time, that was, if you were a young woman, you were always a virgin. So right. it was just virgin sure. and young woman were kind of synonymous yeah. there. It's the same. So his wife would conceive a son. There's also that beautiful symbolism of Mary conceiving a son about 720 right. years later. Right, right, right. And, and it's interesting to me, I, I had never made that connection between, I should have, because it's spoken of his son in the next chapter, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I've just never made that connection of Christ also being typified in Isaiah's son, right? Right. And, and so it was interesting to me, because as I've read this before, I've always thought, what an interesting uh, sign to give Ahaz, that Christ's going to be born some... 500 years later, like, yeah, that's not a yeah, sign yeah. to me, like, right, and prove it now, dude, right? <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> right. But, but it makes so much more sense to, to understand why he's talking about his son in the next chapter. Then. Well, I also think uh, prophesying of his name as Emmanuel, yeah. right, God with us is yeah. what Emmanuel means. Right. And, and in the context of Ahaz wanting to, it's interesting, you saw the same thing with David, Solomon, sure. right, yeah. um, and Saul. God with it in this context of Ahaz wanting to make an alliance with 
or basically he wants to create safety and security in his nation by alliances with man. Yeah. And what Isaiah is trying to encourage him to do is make an alliance with God. Mm. Keep your covenants with God. And he is with us. He will protect us. No one can protect us better than God from, from Syria or from Ephraim or, mm. or from the Assyrians. Mm. God is with us. Yeah. And I think that's part of the prophecy that, or the sign that I think is most potent is, hey, he's coming in 700 years, yeah. but also he's with us today. Yeah. That's great. So I think, I think that takes us into chapter 18. Yeah, let's do it. Where um, chapter 18, the very beginning of it, the, the Lord says, take, take some people together and, and write this down. Yeah. Um, put, it, put it down um, <clears throat> concerning um, your son, whose name shall be Maher Shalal Hajbaz. I so think. say that five times know. fast, yeah. Mahar Shalal Hajbaz. So this is this is Isaiah's second son, and it means destruction is imminent. Right, right. So it, it's it's interesting too. In just chapter two, or sorry, chapter eighteen, verse two. I took unto me faithful witnesses to record: Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Zebarechiah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there's maybe just some little tiny principle here that the Lord doesn't do things in a closet. Yeah, you know, he says, get some get some witnesses here and and record this. So then I'll let you continue there. For um, beyond that, we, we've got the son's name now being given. Mm-hmm. Give give us the the meaning of his name again. Uh, well, so to speed this to speed to the spoiled, he hasteneth the prey. That's like the footnote okay. if you click on it, the Hebrew, mm-hmm. and basically destruction is imminent. It's kind of what. Okay. Um, and his first son's name is. Uh, means that like basically Jehovah will save. Yeah. And so so it's kind of funny as he enters the hall the the king the 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 palace before Ahaz and he's presented Isaiah with his son sure. and his second son. Yeah. Jehovah saves, destruction is imminent, yeah. right? And he's it's like just walking into the palace, he's trying to teach Ahaz, like, yeah. listen, destruction is imminent, but Jehovah will like rely on right. Jehovah. He will save us. Yeah. Not, you know, the Assyrian governor who you're, by the way, now you have to pay, you know, whatever percent tax to to them uh, for them not conquering us. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he goes on in four to, to kind of clarify that. He says, this, your child, this son of yours, will yeah, not Meher be able to speak. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Will not be able to speak, really. He won't be, able, he won't be old enough to cry mother, father, right. is what he's saying. Before the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Syria. Yeah. And so, remember, Damascus is the capital of Syria. Samaria is the right. capital of the northern kingdom, Israel. Right. So effectively, Isaiah is saying, my kid's not going to be old enough to even say my name. Right. Before this, is, this proof, this, this sign that yeah. God is going to give you will be, come to pass, right? But then they, they, they turn it into speaking of Christ. Um, by verse 6, for as much as this people refuse, refuseth the waters of Shiloh, now we're speaking of Christ, right? Yep. And go softly, uh, he, verse 8, he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over, he shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of the land, O Emmanuel. Uh, and I, I love that imagery, right? Because like the waters of Shiloh and the little burbling brook versus... Yeah. Wait, wait, say that again. The bur- yeah, Burbling Brook. Yeah, yeah. I've got some literatures on my sleeve too. Yeah, I, yeah. I came prepared. Don't yeah. you worry. But my foundations, fun foundations. <laughs> you got to remember for it to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was good. It was good when he said it. 
So and then in verse 7, now therefore the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river. And like the Euphrates River is a, is a river there that would often flood and kind of spread. And, and yeah. like, if you, like if you fell in the waters of Shiloh, it's like, oh, you know, it's chill. You got, right. you got a little wet. But in the river Euphrates, like that's like, a, that's like mm. scary and destructive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to be careful of that. Yeah. So we get to verse 9. Associate yourselves. That means kind of tie yourselves together. Mm -hmm. O ye people, and you shall be broken in pieces. If you make this alliance, it's not yeah. going to work for you, right? 10. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. 12. Say ye not a confederacy to all whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. I, th I just think Isaiah is being as clear as he can. Like you don't have to worry about them. Don't worry about this. And going back to the rivers, like you can, you can choose to follow Jesus Christ and your life will be as the waters of Shiloh, mm -hmm. like a burbling brook. Just wanted to squeeze yeah. that in there again. There again. <laughs> but if you don't, like Jesus can also be the cause of a lot of destruction and pain, right? Like, like, th like those consequences of following Jesus Christ can be like very polarized, right? It yeah. either leads to salvation and peace or to destruction and pain. Yeah. And, and verse 13, is it's interesting too because... You know, when we go back to when Isaiah was called, mm -hmm. um, you're going you're gonna to have them hear, but they won't hear, and see, but they won't see. And so when we get to 13, Isaiah says to Ahaz, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. But then you get to 14, and he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let him, let him, Ahaz, be your guide. Yeah. But everybody else is not going to do that with him. Mm -hmm. Right? They're not going to hear. You can, and you can save your people right. by listening to me, but your people won't listen. So just be aware of that. And, and again, you see the dualism, right, in this. Like, this is true for their time. Choose Jesus, and he's a sanctuary. Yeah. If you don't choose Jesus, he becomes a stone of stumbling, right. rock of offense. In Jesus' time, there are people who followed Christ and found peace. Yeah. And then there were the Pharisees, and Jesus was a stumbling st yeah. block to them, right? Yeah. And then in our day, right, we have people Same who thing. choose Jesus. And anyway, so there's just this, this prophecy is just, no matter what time you apply it to, yeah. like, it's, just, it's just true about Jesus. And, and verse 15 finishes that. Many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. I think of the, the people in my life that I know who have fallen away from the church. And nothing about what they're doing is what Christ would do. The way that they live their lives is so me-focused. Yeah. Right? They, they leave the church and they all of a sudden become so focused on finding their happiness and finding their joy and, and listening to themselves and doing things that they want. And nothing about that is a Christ-like life. So they, so they leave the church saying, I'm still a Christian. I still believe in God. But I'm going to wholly focus on me now. Yeah. Right? It, it's so contrary to Christianity just in general. Yeah. That I think that they take Christ and they take things that, that are hard to live and they're offended by them. And so they turn and Christ becomes a stumbling block. Yeah. Christ becomes, you need to become as good as you can individually on your own instead of what Christ actually taught, which is you can't do that at all on your own. Trust me and come to me and I'll help you. Yeah. Right? It's such, a, such an interesting thing that we see. Um, yeah, true that. Day, in our day. Well, should we finish with 19? Yeah, let's get into it. 
I think uh, just, just the chapter heading to start, Isaiah speaks messianically, the people in darkness will see a great light, unto us a child is born, uh, he will be the Prince of Peace, will reign on David's throne. Uh, so obviously we're just going to talk about Christ coming, right? Yep. And, and we're really going to just focus in, in a couple of verses here. And I think you wanted to start us out in the very first verse. Yeah, I, I love this chapter and, and just what it teaches about the power that Jesus Christ can have in our life. So, uh, so uh, let's start, yeah, in verse 1. So nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. And these two lands, this region that we're talking about, will later be uh, Galilee. Like the, the name will change and they'll call it Galilee. So this is where Jesus is going to be born. And this is in Samaria, uh, or yeah, in, in Israel, like where the ten tribes were, mm -hmm. um, the northern kingdom, so to speak. Yeah, Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the twelve tribes, original twelve, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so that's so that's northern kingdoms. Yep. Uh, so, so if you look at if you have your scriptures and want to go there, map three actually shows yep. you where these lands are, but it's northern kingdom. Right, and eventually they just become the land of Galilee. Yeah, and this was those were two regions where a lot of the the war and the bloodshed took place during when the Assyrians came in and took the ten tribes in about 720 BC. Okay, and and so when it says, uh, and afterwards did more grievously afflict by the way of the Red Sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of sh the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Mm -hmm. So walked in darkness, shadow of death. This is all referring to. <clears throat> You know, they, they saw death so much mm -hmm. because of the war, the seasonal wars that mm -hmm. would happen that it was a pretty natural part of their life. And I mean, I imagine if I lived in there in that time, like the idea, the concept of the resurrection would have been very important to me. Mm. And so the fact that the, the savior of the world, the being that will make resurrection possible is then born in that region. Yeah is so powerful to me, and, and that's what I hear Isaiah teaching us. They've seen a great light. Um, upon them hath the light shine. Jesus is literally born out of this area, and he is the answer to, to centuries' worth of questions and pleadings of the hearts of widows and children who have lost fathers and husbands to war, saying, like, can, you know, can I see my family again? Can I be with my family again? Can I live again? And Jesus, as a light, comes out of there and says yes. Follow me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And, and it takes us into them, um, Isaiah, really. It takes us into Isaiah really clearly describing who Christ is, so much so mm -hmm. that famous musicians have used these verses. Verse As a six, musician, yeah, you take this yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. For unto us a child is born, unto us is given, and the government, sorry, let me start that again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of government and peace there is no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. <clears throat> it's so interesting to me. I think, you know, there's some really great titles in there of him. Right, the the wonderful as a as a title, yeah. Counselor, mm -hmm. the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But then verse seven that describes the government that will be set up and put on his shoulders, 
and that he established how that government would look when he came with apostles and prophets and 70 yeah. and teachers and the organization of the church um, is the governing body of the earth when he comes again. Right. That we won't need mayors and we won't need um, governors. We will have bishops and stake presidents and uh, Area 70, the states that we have now that are governed by um, a, a stake president will become managed by area presidents, right? Bigger groups of people all trying to do things together. The yeah. stake president may still exist, I don't know. But, but the governing system uh, that he created when he came will be the governing system that he maintains when he comes again and will be our governing system in the eternities when we live on earth as a celestial space um, that becomes a, a, an eternal celestial body um, and the celestial kingdom for us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I, yeah, I know time is short. Can I finish this chapter with just a, yeah. a pattern that sure. I'm sure many people, you, you know, if you read this chapter, you'll find this same pattern, but in 12, 17, and 21, so we're talking that the, the Lord is angry because of the wickedness of the people. So when it says for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still, like, it's me, like his hand is stretched out like in an angry, like in an angry way, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, the consequences of their sin is leading to, mm -hmm. or bad, their poor consequences sure. that lead to yeah. misery, right? But I think there's another way that we can read that, especially when you cross-reference it with 2 Nephi 28 and Jacob 6. Let me just read 2 Nephi 28 verse 32. And again, look for that hand, the arm or the hand that's lengthened out. Ready? Woe be unto the Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. And then Jacob 6, verse 4 and 5. And how merciful is our God unto us, for he remembereth the house of Israel, both roots and branch. And he stretches forth his hands unto them all the day long. And they are stiff-necked and a naysaying people. I just know that I, like, Jacob was, like, looking at my face mm -hmm. when he said stiff-necked and naysaying. I just, I'm like, that's it. <laughs> but anyway, but as many as will not harden their heart shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Wherefore, my blood brethren, I beseech of you in words of soberness that you would repent and come with full purpose of heart and cleave unto God as he cleaveth unto you. And while his arm of mercy is extended towards you in the light of day, harden not your hearts. Mm. So even though in these chapters, I mean, he's, he's talking about the, the negative consequences of their sin. I think that phrase, his hand is stretched out still, can have dual meaning, yeah. as we've already discussed many times, yeah. is true in the case of Isaiah's prophecies. There are negative consequences when we sin, yeah. period. But I have a testimony that the Lord's hand is stretched out still, that he can reach us, yeah. that the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ is infinite. Yeah. And kind of to, to end where we left off, that's just one, been one of the most miraculous parts of our job, right? I mean, our yeah. opportunity, I'll say, because ultimately you and I would both say, like, as much work as we put into our job, like ultimately Jesus Christ is the one that is reaching these youth and young yeah. adults. He's doing the work. Yeah. Or the feet, maybe. And, and we, it's, so it becomes an honor and a privilege. This job becomes an honor and privilege that we get to witness yeah. it yeah. from like basically floor seats. Yeah. And, um, and so again, if you have an interest in watching the Lord stretch out his arm all the day long to the youth yeah. in seminary, uh, 
you got my email at the beginning of the podcast, email me, and, yeah. and I'd love to talk. I love that, and, and I might just close with, with a visual. Um, those two examples of the Lord stretching forth his hand or stretching forth his arm, if the, if the Savior's hand is stretched forth and his palm's down, it's a, I'm fixing it kind of <laughs> yeah, issue, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, and there is a time in Isaiah's day and in our day that will, there will be a time after Christ there was a time um, where the Lord stood with his palm down. Time had come to fix it. But most of the time his palm is up and inviting you to come yeah. to him where he will hold your hand and help you. And I think if you can keep that visual in your mind that his palm is up now and there will come a time where his palm will go down and we will have to deal with the consequences of our actions yeah. if, uh, if we haven't repented. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a beautiful way to see him most of the time his hand is up, his palm is up. Yeah waiting for us. And it's been interesting, my experience with his palm down, it, because I've been rebuked and chastened at sure. various points in my life, as I'm sure you have, and <clears throat> I've also been rebuked by, like, mortals. Yeah. And when I'm re rebuked by mortal, I don't always have the best taste in my mouth nope, all, right, all, yeah. always, right? Uh, and that, that, says that says more about me than the person, by the yeah. way. I just, I'm right. just prideful or whatever, sure. right? But when I'm rebuked by the Savior, uh, Optimism, hope, yeah. love, investment. Yeah. Like these are like, it's just amazing how he can, he can call me out big time yeah. on what I'm doing. And yet I leave just feeling excited about my life. Right. And, and I would say, I would say, I don't know that his palm turns over. I think he just intimates, I could turn my hand over. Yeah, there, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, never mind, right? And that's why we feel hopeful because we recognize he's still there. Yeah, right, he's still there to help us. It's not time's up, yeah. you're done, right? That that feeling we don't get until he comes to do that, uh, and uh, he's, yeah. otherwise he's help, helping and hopeful for us. Yeah, um, brother Lyons, this has been great. Um, so Isaiah great. is there's a lot. Oh, there's that a lot was so cover. fun. Yeah, and and uh, I appreciate that we covered this entire block. This. This week and next week's episodes will be a little bit longer yeah. um, just because they need to be um, excited to have Brother R.B. Erickson on next week uh, who does a fantastic job as well. But, um, but we have loved having you and I just love watching what you're doing with the young people in the church that are learning uh, to be better teachers first but possibly teachers of the youth and uh, just grateful for your service and all that you're doing. Thanks, Matt. Good to be with you. Good to be with you too.